Hey, everybody. Cal and Dan here. Uh, so we got our DraftKings show coming up for the Players Championship. And uh, stick around because after that, we've had a great conversation with Bob Grisette, uh golf instructor down in South Florida. Uh, gave some great golf tips, talks about his, uh, his book, The Three Fundamentals in Golf. And uh, he actually gave Dan some pointers, and Dan said that they actually worked. Awesome pointers. Went out there and applied them like the next day, flushing the ball. Flushing it. I'm ready to take you on. Absolutely. Uh, I, I got a feeling his idea of flushing and my idea of flushing <laughs> are two different things. But hey, I, 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 I don't know. I, all I know is he hasn't sent me any videos yet. Let me put it like that. Um, so, yeah, so we got some great stuff coming up for you over the next few weeks got uh, who do, uh who's coming on we got uh, we, we'll be dropping pb die christy kerr's coming on to talk about her winery uh and her golf career obviously uh who else we got uh matt hranick uh will be dropping soon bernie lovers uh, uh <laughs> bottle and bond mr bottle and bond himself bernie lovers the legend tom patry will be on mm. uh from uh crown colony uh country club i hope i got that right and uh, yeah, oh, and by the way, Dan, uh, our bottle, our barrel pick just dropped. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, part of a part of the Masters series, a rye unlike any other. So if you're interested in uh, in a in getting a one of our barrel pick bottles, um, DM us. We're uh, at Birdies underscore Bourbon. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Book, uh, just uh, yeah. DM, let us know. We'll kind of get you the details, and uh, we'll lead you down that path. If you're interested in our first barrel pick, uh, got to get that ready and released before the Masters. So uh, here's our DraftKings show, and be sure to stick around and listen to some tips from Bob. Cheers. Cheers. Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of bounds. Mm. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. Uh, Dan, I'm glad to see you made it back off vacation. Mm. I was wondering if I was going to have to put out... Uh, Put out some feelers for a new co-host, so good, glad to hear you made it back. Absolutely. I went to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I was afraid, you know, might be getting left out at shore or whatnot, but nope, nope made it back, made it back. <laughs> <laughs> made it back, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know why. We uh, we chatted, well, I do know why. We chatted with Bernie Lubbers. I don't think we've released the show yet, but uh, maybe last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. I guess it was last week. And man, he has got me on this bottled and bond kick. Mm. I just can't can't get off of it. And uh, sipping on Old Forester, eighteen ninety seven bottled and bond today. This thing is um, it is so damn tasty. It's got like a lot of fruit on the nose. Got a little bit of spice coming from that one hundred proof. But man, this thing is uh, just a perfect blend of kind of fruit and spice. I uh, got a little bit of oaky background to it. It's uh, really damn good. I'm going to enjoy drinking this while we uh, while we talk about the weekend. I'm drinking coffee uh, today. Do you know why? Uh, let's see. Uh, hold on. Did you get a phone call? Have you got a sponsorship? No sponsorship. No, 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 no. Because coffee is for closers, which is exactly what Bryson mm. DeChambeau did at <laughs> this last weekend. <laughs> Holy Boy, cow. did he. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, the course wasn't nice to anybody 
I think the low score for Sunday was 71, which is what Bryson shot. Um, and I think there were four or five other guys that did that, but yeah. Uh, did he close man? Holy that, that, uh, that guy looked good out there. 67, 71, 68, 71. So no, no joke uh, as far as the course goes and, uh, you know, the, the challenges that, uh, that they had. I'll tell you who surprised me was um, Lee Westwood. Where in the hell did Lee Westwood come from? Westy. Uh, I think it was the race to Dubai that he won last year. That's where he came from. <laughs> AKA, I, I I'm so. pretty yeah. freaking good at golf. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, he's in and Bermuda, I would say, isn't one of his – best putting surfaces, but, um, yeah, got the fiance on the bag and, uh, looking good out there, man. So second, what he 61st at WGC missed the cut at the RSM 38 at the masters. We don't need to go back that far, but yeah, I, I was, uh, I was really blown away by, um, uh, seeing Lee kind of, I don't want to say he came from nowhere, but you know, fired a 69, 71, 65, and then 73. So hold on, let me, let's go to, we'll talk a little bit more about Bryson in a second. Mm. Um, so the 18th tee shot. So Bryson hits his tee shot kind of, uh, it hangs out a little left on him, sand trap and uh, just, but, and he, he was kind of, I guess, blocked out by the lip a little bit there maybe, but, and then Westwood, uh, just hits a smoke show and, you know, looks absolutely perfect middle of the fairway. Uh, it didn't look like he was actually that far from Bryson though, uh, to be honest with you. So I don't, I don't know what he's, uh, what he carries the ball, but he is that, that Lee is not known for being a long driver of the ball, but it didn't look like he was it too didn't. far. It yeah, didn't. He was in a know, divot and it didn't look like he's far from Bryson. Yeah. It's kind of strange. So, so that's what I want to talk about is this damn divot. Now <laughs> I don't, I don't think just, just based on what happened, right. I mean, he, he left it, you know, kind of left of the hole, whatever. I don't think the divot really interfered with his shot, uh, but it could have. And, you know, that is one of those friggin' rules that I, I think they need to change that. I think if you hit it, because here's why I think you, you can, you need to change it is because technically speaking, a divot is a man-made, uh, I'll call it a hazard, right. Or, or an impediment. And it, you know, it's, if he would have hit it near the, the radio, uh, the, the TV tower, he would have got relief. If he would have hit it near the stands, he would have got relief. It's a man-made uh, it, it, um, uh, hazard. Right. It's caused by a club. I don't know. I, I was doing some research, kind of looking around. And I guess the argument from the rule side is, well, uh, there are different types of divots, I guess. I mean, shit. I, OK, there's different types of divot. Right. If, it, if you hit it with an iron and, and you know, you take a, a big chunk of earth up out of there, you know, then you've got a depression. But maybe you hit a, a, a fairway metal and you just kind of, you know, sweep the top of the grass and it, it leaves a little indention. Like what constitutes a divot versus not? I, I think that's just that that's kind of nitpicky to me, man. I, I think they got to change that. I, I again, I, I don't think it had any impact on him mentally did it. I don't know. He still hit the green. But uh, but yeah, I think that's a shitty rule, man. They, they need to fix that divot rule. I agree. I think they need to fix it too. I mean, it was obviously in the middle of an iron divot and it was like, just, right. it was like, it was like he's coming out of sand in a way. Right now, with right. that said, he had a pretty freaking good shot considering he's coming out of a divot. I mean, hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it negatively impacted him again. Yeah. If it did, maybe it was, you know, it was a mental impairment. I don't think it physically changed anything from a, from a ball standpoint because he's hits it right in the middle of the green. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that that changes, but 
the point is, is it could have, it could have. Just uh, keep like a so little like, little packet of ants in your pocket and just, just, you know, throw them in the ball. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of, speaking of, or, yeah, uh, well, we won't, we won't go down that road, but, no, uh, you no. know, I, I was, <laughs> just I was, uh, yeah, j- just kidding. Don't, hey, don't get all in an uproar. <laughs> um, so were you surprised uh, by Bryce? I mean, I kind of liked it, right? I mean, he was, he was definitely bombing it out. I mean, he's, you know, he was, uh, hitting it past everybody. He's 16, you know, he didn't go for the green, but uh, you know, he was definitely you know, sending it way the hell past everybody else. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, great tournament, man. I, I got a feel for it um, on Saturday and Sunday. I did get a little hiking in there. I think we got close to like 18 miles or something in on uh, over the weekend. So nice. Uh, uh, took, took, took the weekend off from, uh, from a little G. So hopefully my game will be back when I get back out there this weekend. So I'm sure it, well, I'm sure it won't. But um, with that said, no, Bryce, this is his eighth win on tour. He's got one major. So he is, you know, I think it was he, what, he's like 26, 27 years old, somewhere around there. Right. And I mean, for that age, he's, oh, did, did they, did they already vote him into the Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, you have to, I think the Hall of Fame, you have to have like two majors and 10 <laughs> wins or something like that. He's already like closing in on that. I mean, he might be yeah, Hall, it, Hall, Hall right. of Fame material by the end of this year, you know? And, he I mean, very well could be. Yeah. And to have that kind of um, pedigree, and, and to tell you what, dude, I wasn't kidding about the coffee thing. That dude is a closer. And you put it earlier today when we were talking online, you said he's a stone cold killer, and he is because... When he's leading on Sunday, watch out. You better go beat him. You know, I'm not going to pick on anybody here, but I'll just reference, you know, like three, two weeks ago when we were watching Finau and Homa and Homa missed a, like a two foot putt or three foot putt to, to close it out. Right. Yeah. This guy drains what is it, like, it was an eight or 10 foot putt to, to, to close this thing out. He is oh, just yeah. a killer, man. I mean, and you look at what he did at yeah. the U S open and you know, rocket mortgage. He is just, when he's in the lead going into Sunday, you've got to go out and you got to take it from him. And very few people do that. So everybody's hyped it up about, Oh, Bryce and how long he hits the ball. I think, I think Lee West would actually beat him Tita green this tournament. The putter is what won Bryce Bryson in this tournament. Yeah, so so funny you mentioned that. We're we'll get to our DraftKings uh, portion in a minute, but so I, I was taking a look at at ownership and and cost. So Bryson, uh, he was fifteen percent owned, eleven thousand dollars and one hundred and seven points. Lee Westwood was less than one percent owned, seventy two hundred dollars and a hundred and three points so that's a hell of a delta right there for a four-point swing which you know probably didn't make a difference in 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 relation being that he was uh you know less than one percent owned but yeah that that guy was uh he, he looked good out there it'll be interesting to see what he's going to do uh in uh Ponte Vedra this week given uh given you know it's a it's a shorter course uh but uh, yeah it's uh yeah re- really good man i i was uh i i enjoyed watching it uh it's like i, I think the cameraman was um or camera people uh, camera persons. I think they were a little, uh, a, a little distracted though by somebody because it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, get get the camera over here. Bryson's gonna win, and it's like, oh, wh- wait, we'll be there in a second. Spee's tying his shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just need to call it speed I mean, cam. Speed cam. <laughs> Holy shit. They cannot get enough. I mean, they're making every, up for every, lost I, time. 
Well, either that or they're like, hey, we don't know how much longer he's going to be playing on the weekends. Get all the TV time you can with this guy. But you know what? I mean, but but hats off to him. I mean, again, he had a had a pretty solid uh, tournament. Uh, Just trying to see uh, what did he finish fourth, I believe. Yeah. And uh, what he shot a 75 on Sunday, which, you know, again, everybody else had crappy rounds on Sunday, too. But uh, six under for the tournament. So good to see Spieth kind of back, um, kind of get looks like the wheels are back on the bus, man. First time playing at uh, at Bay Hill. So, uh, you know, look, looking forward to that. Not only am I looking forward to it everybody in golf's looking forward to it. And if you're not, well, tough shit, because you're going to be watching. If he's playing, you're going to be watching the Jordan Spieth show. That is for sure. Yeah, the uh, flat stick killed him on, on Sunday. So on round four, he lost uh, yeah. two shots on uh, putting. So, yeah, off the tee, still gained a yeah. shot. So that's good. And then Tita Green, he was 2.4 shots gained. So, I mean, overall, he did, did pretty good. Just couldn't get the flat stick going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And speaking of couldn't get the flat stick going, uh, what, what did he, uh, where did, uh, where did our boy Rick slick Rick come in at? I oh, think he, uh, no. what did he come in like dead, dead last, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what can I find him in here? Um, uh, yeah. So, oh, actually, uh, yes. Yeah, so shoot 76, 70 just to make the cut. Uh, 11 over dead. Yeah. 72 shoots 76, 77 over the weekend. But I mean, let's be honest. He probably, he's probably forgot what it's like to play four days in a row. So, <laughs> Hey, you know, I, I don't know, but, but here we get, we're back to Ponte Vedra and boy, he loves some of that, uh, sawgrass. So mm-hmm. does this, uh, Rory stat scare you from Sunday? Uh, 2.52 shots lost off the tee. Well, I mean, he is known for being a driver of the golf ball. Mm. Uh, where's, where's he? 60. Yeah. He opens, opens with a 66, 71, 72, 76. So just consistently worse. You know what? I, I, there's just no fire in the dude, man. I mean, it's like he there's, I mean, he's out there and he's playing and he's, you know, competing. He finished 10th. So, I mean, even when he's out there and looks like he's like, yeah, you know, um, just a ho-hum, ho-hum day on the golf course. Uh, let me go get my round in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, still finishing 10th. I mean, you know, hey, uh, I, I can't knock it, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way, boy, did my picks suck. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did win some money. I did not win any money with my uh, with my primary lineup, but uh, but thank God I had a couple of the lineups out there. Whew. Well, I Man. made money in my lineup that I did on the show last week. The only guy that I didn't I had that didn't make it was the Canadian I picked, Hadwin, and I should have went with Corey mm-hmm. Connors, and I should have just taken um, Peppers uh, Peppers uh, advice and gone with Corey Connors. Man, he's the best Canadian yeah. out there. I'm not. I'm just kidding. He's not the best Canadian out there, but he had a great week last week, so I should have taken Connors for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, third place, eight under. Yeah. yeah. So uh, He's been playing really well. He's been playing really well lately. So, yep. Well, take us over to Florida, over to uh, Jacksonville, everybody. Yeah. So, uh, old old stomping grounds for me, but heading to uh, to Ponte Vedra to TPC Sawgrass. It's a Pete Dye course. So, by the way, guess who's coming on the show this week? Uh, Oh, PB. Yeah, yeah, we may have a little uh, PB episode coming up in the near future, so we're excited, uh, excited for that. But uh, so Sawgrass is about seventy-two hundred yards. It's a par seventy-two. 
Uh, we do have some reachable par fours here. And uh, obviously it's famous for the, uh, the 17th Island Green. Uh, water comes into play on 17 holes here. Mm. So, you know, this is gonna be, uh, let's see, past champions. Uh, well, I had it a minute ago. Uh, so let's see, Rory won in 2019, uh, who Webb Simpson. Mm. Oh, Webb loves this place, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, he does. Uh, let's see, see Webb Simpson, uh, Jason Day in sixteen. I didn't skip seventeen intentionally. See Wu Kim uh, in seventeen. So uh, we did not play. I, I then, here we are. You go. You can't leave him out. Maybe you want to wait to sixteen. Might as well go to fifteen. <laughs> the golden boy himself, <laughs> the golden Ricky Fowler. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to give the guy a little bit of uh, a little bit of a little break from all this airtime that he's getting. Okay, he's trying to give him a break. Uh, so yeah, he'll be he'll be he'll be strapping up for um, uh, for the players' championship, the uh, the fifth major, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is going to be one of those courses where lots of water. I mean, if you can, if you can just get out of there without, uh, without dunking one, uh, you know, you got a good chance to win the tournament. Um, let's see who's not going to be, uh, well, hold on before we get into that. So it, it's not necessarily a long hitters course here. Uh, you know, again, it, it'll be interesting to see how Bryson's going to take on some of these drivable par fours. Uh, so, you know, that's, I, I don't know, is it going to help him or hurt him? You know, I, I don't know. He played pretty smart at, at API. I mean, he didn't, you know, even though he could, uh, potentially, you know, on, uh, was number six drive it. Right. I mean, he, he didn't really take any unnecessary chances. So, you know, I, I think the guy's uh, kind of grounded in, in where he's at and what's happening. So I, I would expect the same, uh, the same coming into, uh, the players championship. So. Uh, let's see what else do we need to know about the course. Very small already. greens. The average green size is 5,500 square feet. Very small, uh, fairways <clears throat> widths are 30 yards again, you know, pretty narrow. Right. So yeah, it's going to be, it's, yeah, it's I mean, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the challenge, right? So, uh, let's see, uh, last year. Okay. We're coming up on the anniversary by the COVID anniversary. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this is where they were in 2020. Uh, I think they got day one in and, uh, Friday morning, they said, pack your bags and get out of here. Yep. So I guess un unofficially you've got, uh, Hideki Matsuyama was the, uh, asterisk champion in 2020. Cause he was the leader on, uh, you know, finishing, uh, finishing up day one. Hmm. So uh, let's see. Yep, small greens. Uh, so kind of what's going to be key here, obviously, ball striking and approach. Uh, if you can get on the green, it's you know you're, you're definitely in a better spot, isn't it? With any golf course, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like any golf course. If you hit the fairway and the green, you're in a better position. So eh, whatever. But uh, you know, a, a lot of what's uh, what might get you here is if you're missing greens. Uh, you know, it's going to they're going to be relying on their or short game to uh, to knock it stiff. Knock it stiff. Uh, let's see. All right, man. <clears throat> let's uh, let's get into this thing. Uh, the information that we'll be talking about today is courtesy of FantasyNational.com. Thank you very much, Fantasy National. I, hey, I'm looking at the last 36 rounds TPC Sawgrass. 36 uh, rounds, you said? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Got it. 
Uh, all right. So, uh, oh, stacked field. Uh, I would say this week again. Uh, you know, uh, the players' championship, otherwise known as the fifth major. Uh, Brooks Kepka conveniently hurt his other knee, so he didn't have to. Uh, he didn't have to make the trip. He can stay home and and rest for the weekend. I, I think that's. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it that. That is a convenience injury, and he's mm. resting up for the Masters. Hmm. resting up for the Masters. Now, the, the, the players is the most competitive field in the PGA yeah. Tour, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Used to be. Used to be. Well, Bryson's not there this... I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Brooks isn't there this week, so... <laughs> I mean, hey, if, 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 if the best aren't there, how can it be the most competitive? Maybe his uh, softball team made it to the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm sure they did. Uh, all right. So who we got? We got DJ, John Rom, Rory, Xander. And we don't have Brooks Kepka in the $10,000 plus range. Do you have any of those guys in your lineup, Dan? I don't this week. No. I mean, if I was going to pick a couple of these guys, I mean, I like the way DJ's playing. Rom's been sneaky good. And I say sneaky for Rom because, you know, usually he's like first or second, but he's been playing really well. Uh, I like Rory, but... And I say Rory's been showing signs of improvement. This, but he just didn't sound that great coming off of last week with his uh, his confidence in his game. Xander, what's Xander been up to lately? I mean, we haven't seen him at the top of the leaderboard, have we? Uh, yeah, I think he finished just third in everything he enters. No, he was 39th in Mexico, 15th at the Genesis. Yeah, he did he did good at the waste management and farmers, but uh, last yeah. couple of times he was a little bit uh, a little bit back at the pack, if you will. Um, I mean, if I was going to pick one of these guys at the top, I mean, you know, DJ's the top of this game, right? I mean, he's he's the one that he's the one to beat right now. He's the, he's got the he's got the belt right now, right? So, so yeah, T. So for DJ, you got T fives, T seventeen, T twelve, T twenty eight, T sixty nine. I mean, I'd say he kind of owns this golf course. So uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how you would argue against him. I mean, if you're going to go ten six, ten nine, I mean, I you know, <clears throat> is he is he going to be heavily played? Probably. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not at 11 two. Uh, but I mean, as you kind of get deeper in the field, I mean, you got a lot of options, uh, even in the, you know, 7,000, even in the $6,000 range, you got some, uh, some strong performers that, that, that play well at this course. So, yeah. So, and Rory is the reigning champion here from 2019. So he won then he missed the cut in 18. And after that it was T35, T12, T8. So he loves this place. I expect him to play really well this yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, too. So yeah, and Xander Xander missed a cut in nineteen and T two and eighteen. So obviously he likes it. He hasn't played here much, but uh, I would say he's probably gonna have a good week as well. Yeah, yep. uh, I don't All have right, anybody so... in the ten thousand dollar range. No. What's that? I don't have anybody in the ten thousand dollar range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't either. Uh, all right, so let's hit the nine thousand dollar range. You got JT, Bryson, Webb, Colin. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll read them as we get there. We want to talk about a few of these people. So uh, I got to go to $9,400. Uh, you probably got, uh, you probably got somebody at 95, right? I do. Let me, let me say JT's cheap here at 9,900 bucks. And I know he hasn't been playing great, but he's got good course history. He got T35, T11, T75, T3, T24. So he had one really bad one in 17. The rest of them have been pretty darn good. 
Um, he's cheap here. He's just, he just hasn't been playing that well. He had the, the, I think the grandparent passed away. He had the problem with the sponsor and all that, but uh, that's a discount. Bryson, I think these prices came out before the end of yesterday. Because I know they, I was had, at, yeah. they had to have had to. Have. Yeah, so he's cheap here as well. Uh, Ninety seven hundred bucks. I expect him to play well here this week too. Um, I know he's a. I know everybody says he's a bomber, but he's he's a, he's he's a he's a data geek. That's, that's gained weight, and I think he'll play well here. He got T twenty and T thirty seven, nineteen and eighteen. Uh, but I started at I started mine uh, with the Weber at ninety five hundred bucks. He's got a T sixteen of uh, he won it a T sixteen and then a T sixty six all the way back in twenty fifteen. So in the last three years, the worst he's played here is T sixteen. If we look at his recent history, uh, he was sixth at the Workday, forty second at Waste Management, fourth at the Sony, seventeenth Century Tournament Champions, thirty seventh at the RSM, tenth at the Masters. I mean, he's just playing great golf, and I'd probably say sneaky good because we don't we're not hearing a whole lot about him you're hearing more about rory and more about bryson than you are about webb look at the stats here last 36 rounds tpc sawgrass webb simpson uh, shots gained total ninth tita green on 33rd short game second off the tee 13th around the green ninth putting 13th or putting 11th and then uh dk points 13th so yeah he's my guy love that guy here Yep. I mean, course history says it all for me. I mean, that's uh, that's a no brainer. I, I do have him in a lineup. I don't have him in this one, but uh, but I do have I do have the ball striking machine that is otherwise known as Colin Morikawa mm. uh, just coming off of a win at uh, at the workday. Uh, you know, if that guy puts anywhere near like what he did at the workday, I, yeah, I, I'll be talking a little bit more about him at the end of the show. So, uh, that's, uh, you know, I guess the one if there's a negative, uh, he's never, you know, he's, he hasn't played a tournament here before, so there's no course history. Uh, I don't, he, Hey, he hadn't played at concession either. So, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, Exactly. I hadn't played a concession either. And there you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so yeah. just the yeah. way that dude's hitting the ball. I mean, if he can, if the putter is rolling for him, I, we're, you know, we're, we're good to go, man. I'll say this $9,000 range to me is stacked, man. I mean, we just went through like the $10,000 range with DJ, Rom, Rory, Xander, Brooks, but you got JT, DeChambeau, Simpson, Morikawa, Hovland, Cantlay, Finau, Reed, Scheffler. I mean, no, actually uh, stops at Reed, but Holy cow, I think these guys are undervalued this week. I mean, Morikawa just won. Hoblin's been on fire. I'm surprised they're not priced more this week. Just I, I thought I'm, they'd be I'm, closer to 10,000. Yeah. And I'm thinking about like the guy uh, I'm getting ready to pick here. I got 8,800 bucks. I got Daniel Berger. Uh, course history, eh, it hasn't been great. It's uh, in, in 2016, it was T9, T65, T57, T67. So he doesn't play great here. But then again, he didn't turn on the AA game until uh, the, the restart last year when he's been on fire, right? And if we look at recent history in terms of the tour, 35th at the, the WCG workday, first at AT&T Pebble, 67th at the waist wasn't good. Then he seventh uh, at the Sony, 10th at Century, uh, 23rd at Mayakoba, 17th at Zozo. So he's been playing lights out golf. We know that. And he just won at Pebble a couple of weeks ago for a guy that just won at Pebble. I and mean, it wasn't that strong of a field, but to be priced at 8,800 bucks, nah, I don't know. I think that's a deal. I'm taking that. Yeah. So so I've got Patrick Cantlay also and. Uh, what's he? Ninety two hundred dollars in DraftKings. So he did miss the cut here last year, and uh, he is uh, he withdrew 
what, two weeks ago, I guess he was sick. I don't, I didn't see that it was COVID or that it was, or it wasn't COVID, but, um, uh, and previous to that, he had, uh, I think he had back-to-back top 25s or yeah, T23, T22, but again, missed the cut in 2019. So I think, um, so Cantlay is second behind DJ in strokes gained from a, uh, yeah, second behind DJ um, in strokes gain on past 36 holes on die golf courses. So, you know, I'm hoping people kind of lay off of him coming off of that, uh, uh, the withdrawal at the work day. And I don't know, maybe we'll get something out of him. Um, he's played here four times. So uh, I don't know, maybe uh, ball striking is spot on. Once again, I'm kind of looking at him like I'm looking at Morikawa, right? Ball striking is going to be there if the, the putter gets hot for him. Uh, you know, at that two potential winners right there. Cantlay has been on fire um, since the new season. If you look at it, it's he's he won Zozo, 17th Masters, 13th Tournament <coughs> Champions, second the Amex, third 18T Pro Am, 15th Genesis. Like holy cow, this guy's like a top 10 every week, and he might be a top three every week. It's just been insane. Yeah, that guy's that guy's awesome. Yep, playing great golf. Um. Yep. So. Who Finau? Hey, but wouldn't be surprised. Finau's playing some great golf right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Reed's another one. I don't have him in my lineup here. I couldn't afford him at that point. But uh, I, I, I like Patrick Reed here. I mean, he just took a week off, so uh, took the weekend off, right? I mean, what <laughs> yeah, happened last time he did that? Yeah. He, he went, <laughs> it, it took the weekend up, but the last time that happened, he you know he won the golf tournament. So yeah. hey, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, you know, it, 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 call me crazy, but uh, Patrick Reed is going to be in the lineup, and I think Pat, that's probably a good outright. Bet too. I think he's like at uh, 40, uh, 40 to one. So uh, it may have changed, but uh, but yeah, I I think uh, I think Reed looks good here. Yep. Uh, my next guy is at uh, eighty six hundred. Mm, well, all right. So I got, uh, yeah. Hey, bought your tickets. Did you? <laughs> bought your, I'll, hey, I'll save you a seat. Uh, so, so I've got, um, I've got Hideki Matsuyama at $8,700. Wow. So again, he was leading the tournament last year when it got called due to COVID. Um, prior to that, you got T18, T15, miscut and a T42. But, uh, I mean, Hideki, he, he likes this place, man. I, I think Hideki's coming back with a little bit of a vengeance. Uh, he's ranked eighth in DraftKings points, 31st in putting. Uh, short game is 52nd, uh, but total strokes gained, he's ranked fifth. So he plays well here, likes the course, good course history. Uh, I'm looking for Hideki to repeat uh, what he was getting ready to do in 2020. Nice. Here comes my... Um... Recent form pick. All aboard! <laughs> All aboard to Speed Island! Because I'll tell you, here's your tournament history. This is the scary part, everybody. This is the scary part. All right, so 2015, cut. 2016, cut. 2017, cut. 2018, <laughs> T41. 2019, cut. Uh, definitely not good course history here. But but look at recent history. Uh, Waste Management, fourth. AT&T Pebble, third. Genesis, 15th. Arnold Palmer, fourth. I'm telling you, I think this guy could potentially win this week, even though he has <laughs> terrible history. Here, I, do too. 
hey, everybody get on the speed train because he's coming through, man. Um, yeah, it's like uh, make sure, make sure. If you do not want to watch Jordan Speed play golf, do not turn your TV onto the Golf Channel this weekend. Exactly. That's all you're going to see. That's all you're going to see. They're making up for lost time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just love the uh, recent form, man. The guy, can't, the guy can't fall out of top five. It just seems like, you know, so, yeah. Uh, let's see who else we got he here. Loving like that Florida. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that Florida swings treating him right. Uh, who, Hatton, uh, you know, Hatton kind of scared me. I think I had him in my lineup by my primary. And, uh, boy, just by, I mean, he saved his ass to make the cut. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had me nervous. I think, um, you know, luckily, I don't know. Do you get a prize if none of your players make the weekend? <laughs> you should. <laughs> you damn sure should. Um, let's see. So Hatton, uh, what's the T21, T20. Oh, no, sorry. That's uh, Arnold Palmer. He was T21, T22 in Mexico. Uh, what is his finish? Oh yeah. So Hatton's another one. So cut, cut T41. So, you know, not, uh, not very favorable. However, at $8,500, just cheap as shit. And I can't believe that some of these guys are the prices that they are. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Paul Casey here. Paul Casey's uh, he, been playing really well. Yeah. He, yeah. Recent form. I mean, he missed the, he didn't, uh, uh, he missed the cut in 2019, but then you got a T22 and T23. So, you know, that's another solid one. Sun JM's only had one showing here. He did not make the cut. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, well, you probably, uh, uh, I, I already know. I can read. I'm reading your mind over here, man. I know. Let's throw another shrimp on the Bobby. You know, 8,100 bucks, buddy. Your guy. I can't believe you don't have him in your lineup. Oh, uh, God. Would I like to have him in my lineup? I can't afford him. I know. I know. But uh, tournament history here. Uh, let's go from 20. Hey, yeah. it's outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> it's outstanding. It's, it's 2015. We'll go 2015 to 2019. So T38, T12, T6, T11, T12. The guy loves. Loves a T12 around here, you know? And then recent form, 51st at the um, Workday, 38th at Genesis, 10th at the Farmers, uh, 41st at Sony Open, 21st at Century Champions. So, I mean, good good recent form. He hasn't been great recent form, but at the course, he just loves this place. So, I expect him to play really well and to kind of get his uh, his game going here, kind of like he did with the Genesis uh, last year. Yep. Uh, what year did he win? So, he actually won this tournament. Uh, he won the champ- players' champion. Uh, not in the last five years, but um, yeah. no, not in the last five. No, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I can look it up. I think it was two thousand seven, maybe. Uh, like uh, a long, long time ago. Two thousand four. Uh, uh, is that right? Is that right? I, know, I thought it. I thought it was seven. That's irrelevant. Uh, it's so damn long ago, you can't even find it. Uh, let's see. 2004. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so Adam's got, God, kind of want him. I'm going to have to change my lineup. I want him in there so bad. Uh, he is number one in uh, strokes gain total fourth mm-hmm. in DraftKings points here. Yeah. That's, uh, that's hard not to go with that guy. Um, I'm I'm down the list, man. I'm in the seven thousands for my my next guy, yeah, I got, Jason I got, Day. I got seventy nine hundred. You, know, you go first, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Well, J- yeah. I, he's not my lineup, but I'm, I'm Jason Day. I mean, he plays really well here. Um, uh, and what's J Day been doing as of? 
Well, so you got T8, T5, T60. He won it in 2016. So he uh, definitely a good course history here. And uh, J-Day, T31, T18, and T7. So as long as you don't have any um, medical exemptions or WDs, <laughs> right, uh, J-Day should, uh, should be showing up here. So I took 7,900 bucks. I got old Tommy. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, 12 oh, rounds. Oh, golf, golf Jesus, eh? Uh, oh, yeah. 12 rounds here at the Sawgrass. Uh, shots gained total, eighth in this field, fifth tee to green, 13th ball striking, 17th short game, fifth off the tee, 12th around the green, uh, 43rd putting, and 10th in DK points. His last couple starts, he was 10th last week, 44th at the workday, 26th in Saudi, 17th at Dubai Desert Classic, um, Abu Dhabi, he was 7th, RSM 37th, Masters 19th. So, uh, I mean, again, not not the kind of Tommy we saw last Florida, uh, the swing, but um, yeah, he's showing signs of life, I think, uh, the way he plays here. What was his course history here? Does he have it up? I think I got it here. Tommy Lee T5 in 19, T7 in 18, T41 in 17. So, yeah, he likes this course. Um, yep. So, my next guy is Joaquin Neiman, um, mm. 28th in uh, the Workday, 43rd in the Genesis, second in the Sony. <clears throat> uh, we're working off recent form here. He has not played. Uh, at, well, let me take that. Uh, hold on. I may, I may have. Uh, yeah, he hasn't played here before. Seventy-seven hundred dollars, totally going off recent form for this guy. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, like where he's at as a golfer. I like it at seventy-seven hundred dollars, and I think there's. So you know, so I was kind of, I was a little bit torn. Uh, you know, do I go? Uh, well, let me tell you who I wasn't going with is the Sauce Man. Mm. Damn, did that dude hose me? Didn't, I mean, my one and done, didn't make the cut. Good Lord. But hey, watch him bounce back this weekend and win the damn tournament. Wouldn't surprise me. But um, yeah, so I, I was a little torn between Horschel, Neiman, and Kokrak. I mean, this is pretty much Horschel's home course, uh, you know, and, and he's playing well. But I, I'm going to take, uh, but I think he's going to be heavily played. So uh, I think the same goes for Kokrak and Kokrak doesn't really look the best here from his stats mm -hmm. and uh, where's Kokrak at. So T47, T46 and he, you know, then cuts the rest of the way, uh, one withdrawal and then two cuts. So uh, didn't, didn't feel a lot for him uh, <laughs> on this one. So just uh, again, kind of going with uh, going for the guy that hasn't seen the course before. So we'll see what Neiman does, man. I, in recent form. Hey, I mean, it's there. So, I went all the way down to 6,900 bucks with Keegan Bradley for my, for my next pick, my last pick. Uh, recent form, API last week, 10th, Genesis 60th, uh, Waste Management 22nd. So um, showing some good signs of life here in February. And then if you look at his tournament history, he's got a 19, he was T16, 18, T7, then T60th, uh, T35, and a cut. So last two times he's played here, he's been in the top 15, 16, or whatnot. So just, I think he likes the course. And I just, I'm seeing him inch his way up to the top of that leaderboard lately. Like, kind of like we did with Homa before Homa won, you know? Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. All right, I got two guys left. Um, so the dude that just loves this course ranks number one in DraftKings points, number one in approach, number uh, number six in total strokes gained. The Spaniard, <laughs> Sergio Garcia. Nice pick. Uh, lo loves this golf course. He is a champion. Since then, obviously, we know he's won. Uh, he's he's won a major. 
but yeah, Sergio at 7,500. You got a T22, 70, T30, T52, T2. Um, and, and obviously, we've got a victory in there as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all in on Sergio. I think that is going to be fantastic. Uh, my next guy, just, uh, you know, here's the thing. So he's been a little, um, uh, he's been a little shaky, uh, but uh, I shouldn't say shaky. He's kind of been a little hot and cold. But Abe answer, man, just a mm-hmm. ball striking machine. And, you know, I, again, you know, it's going to be one of those courses where distance isn't going to get you everything that you need. Um, it's going to be ball striking. So T12 here in 2019. And so we only got one round to work off of. But uh, oh shit, we're not lost. It. Oh, yeah. Uh, so 19th and DraftKings points, 29th off the tee, 30th in approach, 17th in total strokes gain. Uh, you know, I had the 7,500, uh, uh, felt like I wanted to spend it, uh, Harris English. I don't think he has a very good course record here. Uh, just looking at the other people, you know, we're 7,500 bucks. Uh, uh, Leishman that doesn't have a good course record here Harris Harris English 2019 cut 2018 cut 2017 cut 2016 cut 2015 cut oh boy so <clears throat> let's just say that Harris uh, he, uh, he 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 books his return flight for uh, for Friday evening yeah yeah uh, who, who else kind of sticks out in this thing for you I mean anybody you know who uh, Lee Westwood is yeah, I, was uh, mention I think that. he's yeah yeah, seventy two hundred dollars. I do have him in a secondary lineup for sure. Uh, he's what we got a T sixty five and seventeen, um, and then we got a cut in twenty fifteen. But I mean, that, that pricing I saw was last done. Week, I mean, yeah, it was done before last week. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd be wary. Of, Davis? I'd be wary of uh, Justin Rose. Um, he had some has some back issues last week. I don't. I don't think he'll play well this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm still. I'm surprised to even see see his name still in there. I'm surprised he didn't uh, didn't already uh, send him the send him the WD. Hey, Corey Connors, uh, man, seventy four hundred bucks. I mean, I, I you know yeah. if you're trying to fill something out around there, I would take him over. I take him over Fowler right now. What do you think about Sam Burns? Uh, well, I don't think much about him after last week. I can tell you that. <laughs> they damn sure burned me. Uh, I, I, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, I say that, but I mean, that was the course. I mean, I think this is a course that he can kind of turn things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it sets, sets up well for him. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm playing in a secondary lineup is Christian Busendinhot. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I definitely murdered that one. But uh, so this, is, this South African dude has got uh, uh, five top 25 finishes in his last seven starts. And uh, what was he? He was seventh at the Arnold Palmer. So, I, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, I think that's a solid play. Uh, who else is uh, kind of a standout here for us? Uh, yeah, I think that's just looking in that. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about old Bucky Fowler. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Russell Henley, maybe here. Uh, Carlos Ortiz, his numbers do not look good here. Um, let's see. Matt Kuchar. I think Matt Kuchar is a champion here. You know, he's at $7,200. Siwoo Kim, $7,200 past champion. Like, really? That's, uh, that's kind of surprising to me. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, right, let's get over to one and done. Who you got for your one and done? Oh, God. I don't even want to pick it. I'm, I'm torn like I an old up, sweater. I made up some ground last week on the one and done. So uh, it's Fitzy. Oh. Fitzy got me $195,000, and um, your guy got you $152. Yeah. Hundred and fifty two. Well that's better that's yeah. better than what I thought. I thought it was gonna be zero. <laughs> get a uh, get myself a Coke and a cheeseburger with that. Actually, I'll just get a shot of bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Um let's see, who are we gonna pick this week? So so I'm torn, right? Is it gonna be Morikawa or is it gonna be Cantley? Mm. And so my question is, have I used Cantley yet? Mm, I don't think I have. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, he's he's my guy. I'm going Cantley. Cantley, okay. That's a good pick. Going, can't can't lay is um yeah i i think uh, i think we got good things coming i need that putter to get hot ball striking no concerns whatsoever um just steer clear of the water man steer clear of the water all right i'm going to answer <laughs> oh are you yeah he's uh i've got him in my lineup so i mean answer is one of those guys that's um you know, like I said earlier, you know, he's he's kind of hot and cold. I mean, the ball striking's always there. Yeah. Uh, but it I wouldn't be surprised, man. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see him come in second place to Cantley. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that out of that. I will take that every day of the week, man. If I can get answered in second place and that, that out of one and done, I'm 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 happy. I'm really happy. But no, I mean he's been playing great. Uh, he's 18th at WGC, Miss Genesis. That's a tough course. Uh, fifth of the MX. Um, yeah, I, I think I think thirteenth uh, at the Masters. Uh, this thing reminds me of like the RBC kind of heritage in a way, where you just you got to be you got to be accurate, right? So yeah, it is. Yeah, it's going to be like PGA West. It's going to be like mm-hmm. RBC. It's going to be uh, it's going to be Heritage. It's going to our Harbor Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's a, it's exactly what it's going to set up like. So yeah, uh, look looking forward to a better week this week than last. Holy shit, did I get a beaten last week? Mm-hmm. Golly, mm-hmm. surprised I haven't received any hate mail from that. Yeah. What we got coming up on the pod this week, Gal? Uh, let's see. So we got Bob Grissett coming on, uh, PGA instructor down in South Florida. Um, that is right after this. Got, That's coming up right on yeah, in yeah, this coming, episode. Coming up, yep, coming up next. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and really, it's a really, really good conversation with Bob, uh, kind of talking about. So Bob wrote a couple of books talking about the fundamental his his fundamentals of golf. Uh, Dan actually applied some of those, and uh, yeah, he's hitting the ball like shit. So, no, I was been flushing. <laughs> the ball afterwards <laughs> flushing it oh yeah he's, he's really been bragging about how uh, how that how that net's been treating him it so it's been great uh, yeah yeah it should be good i don't know who else is I coming up this week. probably coming up this week yeah yeah oh uh, yeah so the uh the negroni the king of negronis himself will be coming up so that uh, that's going to be a good one as i mentioned at the top of the show uh we've got a going to have a fun conversation tomorrow with, uh, with PB die. Uh, would it be fun? We'll get to talk a little about, uh, about sawgrass soon. So, yeah. um, and easy Dixie <laughs> and, <laughs> and Dick Dixie got excited about that one. Exactly. Uh, let's see. I don't know what, uh, what we'll, who we'll, else? And we'll, we'll choose Friday later on in the week. We don't choose it right now. Cause we, you know, we might yeah. be recording something between now and then we want to put out, but, uh, um, definitely got Bob and got Hranic and then, um, We'll see about Friday. We'll, we'll let you know. We'll keep. We'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> so, yeah, got, we, we, got a lot of, we got a lot of fun things planned here. You know, so yeah. Oh, and we uh, our barrel pick drop by the way. So, so um, I should have those 
in, uh, I should have them by the end of this week or the first of next week. So if you're interested in a bottle, uh, you can DM us at birdies underscore bourbon on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Dan's phone number is 919. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah. So, but yeah, in all seriousness, if you're interested in a bottle, uh, DM us, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll kind of give you the details on how that happens. Uh, if you're not following us on Facebook, uh, if you're only listening to this and you want to actually see what we look like, I'm sure you do want to do that. So head over to YouTube and you can check us out. Um, and uh hey like us follow us and uh stay tuned so some good things coming up on the show we got some good things coming up outside of the show looking forward to uh springtime is here getting out traveling a little bit may uh may try to get up to sweetens cove uh over the next couple of weeks so that should be fun and oh by the way the dyad was just uh this previous weekend at tobacco road oh yeah so yeah madamski did uh, he he made the drawing or raffle for that so i'll be interested to hear how he did i i didn't see any uh any any uh any bragging come mm. out so i got a feeling he didn't win it but mm. uh yeah, right. we'll see he'll be at a good time yeah uh, yeah, you know, it looked like, yeah, I, I saw them on Instagram. They were kind of posting as they were going along. So it looks like they had a great time. But uh, right. yeah, so everybody, so stick around, listen to uh, to Bob Grisette, and uh, he's got some great tips on there for you. You can try at home. And uh, yeah, drink more bourbon. Cheers. Cheers. Hey guys, this is Tim Pearson with Chattanooga Whiskey, and you are listening to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. Uh, we're going to get some, uh, hopefully, we'll get some pointers today from uh, from Bob Grissett at uh, Bob Grissett Golf. Bob, how are you? Good. How are you doing, guys? Good to hey, see you. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and, and sharing some time with us. So uh, looking forward to uh, talking about kind of the state of the game, what's going on down in, uh, in South Florida with you. I guess you're in South Florida, right? I am. Boynton Beach. Uh, yeah, I teach in Boca Raton. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so just a uh, just a hop and a skip there for you. So, uh, we, yeah, I I would say uh, I'm a little jealous of the weather, but I actually had a chance to get out yesterday, and it was 80 degrees here in Atlanta. So probably oh, awesome. Know, not, not not too much different for you guys down there, huh? Yeah, it's been it's been overall kind of a warm winter. Yeah, a lot yeah. a lot of uh, 80 to 85. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. So, so lots of, uh, lots of time out on the, on the practice range or you've been playing much. No, I actually have to have a couple of knee replacements. So I haven't, uh, I haven't been able to play in a while and COVID set me back as far as that goes. So, uh, gotcha. just teaching. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, uh, so Bob is, uh, one of the top 25 instructors in America, uh, and, uh, golf digest best in-state teachers. Uh, we actually caught you on a live show with Tom Patry, I believe. And yeah, my, uh, said, my good buddy, my good buddy TP. Yeah. We said, well, Hey man, that's uh, we, we gotta, we gotta get this guy on and get some, uh, get some, I want to say good, but really we want the bad TP stories. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. So, so what's, uh, where'd your career get started at? I mean, are you, are you a Florida guy? 
Uh, no, I'm from Illinois originally, and I uh, started playing golf when I was about 11 or 12. My mom was a good player and uh, had had my first lessons from, uh, at that time, a fairly renowned uh, player coach by the name of Johnny Revolta. He was at Evanston Golf Club in Chicago. I was a baseball player. I was going to, I had actually five baseball contract offers coming out of high school. Wow. But uh, I pursued golf because it was probably more difficult. I, I was going to go to Wake Forest. Um, when I went to Wake Forest with my dad. We paid a visit there, and it was sleety and snowy. Our next line on the agenda was to go d- down to the University of Miami, and it was 80. So I went to the University of Miami uh, <laughs> because of the weather. So I started there, and, and one of the other reasons I went there was to to work with uh, uh, one of the great instructors in the history of the game, Bob Toski. And I was fortunate to spend uh, three or four years with him. What position did you play in baseball? Uh, third base and pitched. Mm, right-handed? I get you right-handed probably, right? On the batting? Pardon me? Were you right-handed batter? I was. Okay. Is there another way? Uh, you could be You could be a lefty. I was just wondering. I was just wondering. I was curious. Yep. Yeah, Dan was a switch hitter back in the I day. I was not a switch hitter. I was a left-handed hitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing wrong with but some great lefties in the history of the game, obviously. Exactly. Hitters, yep. uh, you know, probably the best hitter was Ted Williams. And, uh, and uh, you know, you got to put George Brett in there, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Ab- abs- absolutely. Yeah. Home run hitters. You know, you had a few of those as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So so when you, you went to uh, you played in Miami, right? I did. Yeah. And, and then did you just, you, you fell in love with South Florida and just decided to stay or did you, uh, did you kind of, well, I think I had already made my mind up there that I was going to, uh, try to play professionally. So, uh, that was the whole objective through college. Um, and I did do that for a number of years, uh, a little less successfully than I would have, I would have enjoyed or, or would have preferred, but, uh, I nevertheless was able to play. Um, those were, those were different days. As far as the tour, you didn't have an all exempt tour the way you do today, where your schedule is, is, is set for the entire year. You were going in on a Monday to Cleveland, Ohio. And if you didn't qualify that was the whole week, you were from Cleveland. <laughs> Usually there was like, uh, you know, there was like 150 players for like 60 or 70 spots. All right. Um, and then if you, if you got in, then you had to make the cut. If you didn't make the cut. Um, you were still from Cleveland until you went to the next place, which wherever that was. And that's how it was back in those days. And then they did the first uh, uh, qualifier for the all-exempt tour. They did that in Winston-Salem. Um, and then that's the first time that you had X amount of people that had rights to play on the PGA Tour for the year. So you could kind of plan your life a little bit. Yeah, sure. What's uh, what what you know when you were traveling? So when you were playing, did any any favorite courses or or courses that that you were like, hey, I can't wait to get here because I'm you know that's I, I it's a ringer for me. I know it's going to happen. Yeah, I knew that I was I was going to miss the cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously there. <coughs> excuse me. There are so many great golf courses in the U.S. Uh, whether you go on the West Coast and, you know, back in back in that day, we actually played uh, uh, at Rancho Park in Los Angeles was the home of the L.A. Open back in those days. That's that's where Arnold Palmer famously made a 13 on a par four. And when they asked him how he made the 13, he said, I hold a six footer. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but but that was great. And then uh, you know the uh, you know the, the courses in the Monterey Peninsula, Pebbles, Spyglass, uh, Monterey Peninsula Club. Those are among my favorites. My probably my favorite golf course that I've ever played didn't have an event at it. It's in Santa Cruz, California, called Pasatiempo. It was designed by Alistair McKenzie, hmm. who designed Augusta, and uh, one of the one of the great places on earth. If you ever get a chance. Uh, if you haven't already, if you ever get a chance to play there, you got to do it. That, mm. that should be a bucket list for everybody. Wow. Great course. It's a great tip. Uh, you know, all the courses in the Chicagoland area, the courses in Florida, uh, you know, at that time we, we, we had a, we had a, a longstanding tournament yearly at Doral. Um, and then, and then the other venues in Florida, Rio Panar, you probably never heard of that. That was in Orlando. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, probably my favorite courses were, you know, Beverly Country Club on Wencia Country Club in Chicago. And uh, obviously, um, you know, Pebble is one of my favorite of all time. And in L.A., ultimately, Riviera became a favorite of mine. But Rancho Park is uh, still one of the busiest public golf courses in the world. But it was a, it was an interesting life. It was fun um, and uh, and tough. Those guys don't have all that now. They get to travel every week, and uh, you know they know they're gonna, they know they're going to play. If they if they go to a town, they're going to tee it up. And uh, you know, back in our era, we had to go to the town and find out if we we're going to tee it up. Except for you know the sixty or seventy exempt players. Very very different time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, um, so I, I'm going to kind of bounce back for a second, kind of talk a little bit about your your teaching career and and what you're doing. So, you got a couple of books out, right? The ten ten lessons, uh, true fundamentals of the golf swing, and uh, what's your second book? Uh, you don't know. Oh, basic elements of the golf swing. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, so, so when you're kind of you know when you, as an instructor and and you're kind of you know you're well, let me ask you: Would would you say that instructors that there are? If I read your basic elements or fundamentals, and I went and talked to nine other coaches or or, or teachers. And, and I'm, I'm starting to kind of think of, okay, it, you know, is it, are there, there are obviously consistencies, but are there fundamental differences in, in what you're going to get from one teacher to the next? Yeah, I, I would say that um, my answer to that would be that we have a game in which the average handicap hasn't appreciably been lowered in 50 years. Now, we either have a we either have a population that plays golf that has zero talent, or maybe they're not getting the correct information. Just because a lot of people like to raise their hand with that. That's that's like telling the guy that comes and you know, he asked me what I think, and I said I think you should lay off for two weeks and then quit. <laughs> but but. Um, I think you know in my discovery, and, and you know, and that's an ongoing situation, by the way. In my discovery, it came quite apparent to me that um, uh, there were there were not that many good teachers. Uh, obviously, if there were, people would be getting better, um, and they haven't. And I think I think what's happened, uh, you know, in this age where we have so much technology that can measure players, mm -hmm. you have a, you have different sensor systems that can measure bends, tilts, and turns. So now we know more. I mean, even I know more. Uh, but I think I think uh, everybody knows more, and I think there's a lot of young, great teachers now 
where I wouldn't say that's been necessarily the history of the game where we've had, we've had very few good teachers, a lot of golf pros, very good club professionals, uh, but I wouldn't say they were great teachers. In fact, I would almost say that in the year that I grew up on and years after that, for someone to be successful at the game was almost pure luck. Um, if you told uh, a thousand people to turn, you could get a thousand different interpretations of what that means. Right. And now we know that it's not a turn, it's a pivot. And there's three elements to that. It's a three-dimensional motion. So you're, you're in the backswing, you would be tilting left, you would be obviously rotating, and you would be also extending your spine. You're bent over at address. If you turned in your bent forward position, your head would translate three feet to the right. So you have to create extension in your thoracic spine and your pelvis to stay centered. And you have to side bend. You have to go from right bend because your right hand is lower on the club than the left into left bend. And that characteristic, what I just stated there, is going to be uh, an, an absolute with every top player that's ever played. This is where we get into these arguments where people say that they all swing different. It depends what you're looking at. If you're looking at their body motions, that's not true. Uh, they're all side bending, extending, and, and uh, turning in a circle. Uh, every one of them that plays. Now, their hands and arms may be different, like Jim Furyk has different hands and arms, and Wolf has different hands and arms than maybe a Fred Couples has, or than a Jack Nicklaus, or a Tiger, or whomever you may be talking about. Uh, but the basic elements of what the body does is going to be consistent with all those players. The only variability in it would be the degrees. So if Dustin Johnson is bending forward 46 degrees at address, he's going to have a side bend on the backswing of 46 degrees to the left. If David Toms is bending 33 degrees forward address, he's going to have a side bend of 33 degrees to the left, top of the backswing. But they're both side bent to the left, um, <clears throat> and the the spine actually goes from forward bend. Like if you took Rory as an example, let's say he has a forward bend of 40 degrees in his shoulders at address, and let's say his hips are half of that. We'll say 20 degrees, that which is common. And he's uh, side bent to the right, we'll say 10 degrees, because his right hand's lower on the club, which would make the right shoulder lower. So you don't purposely make the right shoulder. It's going to happen naturally if you, uh, when you grip with your right hand. And we're going to say his turn is close to zero, because he's fairly square. Now, when he goes to the top of his backswing, what's going to change is at the top of his backswing, his forward bend is going to go from 40 degrees forward to zero. His side bend, which was 10 degrees to the right, is going to go to 40 degrees to the left, and his turn is going to go from zero to, we'll say, 90 in his shoulders. And on the downswing, because he's essentially what he's done on the backswing, he's stood up, which is what you have to do to extend, but he hasn't come up because of the side bend. On the downswing, he has to get back into flexion, which is one of the 95% of all golfers their biggest error in their golf swing, if I could pick one thing that the average player uh, does very well, is what's called early extension. What that means is that on the downswing, their pelvis and their body are moving towards the golf ball uh, because they're not getting back in flexion, meaning they're not rebending their hips on the downswing. So when Rory gets down to impact, he's bent forward 40 degrees again, where at the top of his backswing, he was side bent to the left 40, but his forward bend was zero. And then you go to the opposite side of the ball, it reverses itself. So on the opposite side of the ball, Rorty's going to be side bent to the right 40 degrees. So you side bend in the opposite direction of the turn. And I think, I think the lack of knowledge in the industry 
about those three-dimensional motions of the spine are why people haven't improved. Um, because people have just been told to turn, which is only one dimension of that three dimension. Are you guys on board with that? Did you understand that? I tried to explain it in pretty layman terms or pretty easy to understand. Um, if you were to put your head against a wall and you were to make a backswing, the only way you could make it and keep your head on the ball would be the side bend to the left. Right, right, right. And, right. You, and then if you were to come back down, the only way you could keep it on the wall would be to reflex your hips. And if you were to turn to the right or turn to the left towards the target, you would have to side bend to the right. So that's one of the greatest drills in the history of mankind for an average player to learn how the body should function is just get the crown of their head against a wall and learn to make, you can't, obviously because the walls are, you can't use a club, but you can at least make arm motions. Yeah, to feel the, feel the movement so you know where you need to be at least, right? And, that, and, and, the, and the essence of teaching basically is not getting people to think about what they need to do. It's to, it's to give them either drills or training aids so that they can feel what they need to do. Yeah. And they try to replicate that feel rather than trying to, you know, think about 400 things. They're, they've got, they've got 20 swing thoughts in a one and a half second swing. And I, I'm pretty sure that um, it takes three to five tenths of a second for a mental thought to be transposed into a physical action. So that dog won't hunt. You know, so my teaching philosophy is basically uh, once we understand, I see their pattern. Once we understand what we need to fix first, then we're going to give them some sort of drill or training aid in order to correct that. And I would say that 50% of my clientele are golf pros, interestingly enough. I don't know there's too many people that teach that could say that. Um, they could be touring professionals. They could be teachers or they could be club pros. And then I would say uh, in the additional 50%, probably um, 35 to 40% of that are better players. So I'm dealing with that. That's just kind of where my career has kind of led. Um, you know, I still deal with the quote unquote chops. I don't, didn't mean to offend anybody out there, but. Uh, oh, you uh, can't offend Dan. You're, he's, you're good. Dan, are you a chop? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But you know what? As much as he's laughing over there, he's still not going to get an appointment with you. <laughs> so, so you know, my life and or the, or, the, or the instructors that I've worked with over the years, um, you know, I would say that that the the people that have had the most influence on my instruction, Hogan had a big influence because Hogan was a pretty smart guy. There's a lot of underlying detail in his book that he wrote that. I think a lot of people missed. Hmm. Uh, so Hogan was Hogan was a pretty smart guy, and I think that uh, you know I think Mac O'Grady is probably the godfather of the modern swing. I mean, Mac uh, Mac figured it out. Um, uh, so a lot of my teaching is based on that on the golfing machine, which was written by Homer Kelly, who was a engineer who took a golf lesson and pretty pretty quickly figured out that the golf pro didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> So, so he studied Sam Snead swing and ended up writing a book. Mm, it's amazing. Anyway, that's kind of where I ended up where I ended up. Uh, and I, 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 I developed, it was in my search for my own swing by being ruined by many teachers that made me sift this out, sift that out, throw this out, add this in and eventually arrive. I, I mean, I wish I knew then what I knew now, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's for me to pass on to younger people at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Yeah. What, what's uh, what's a pitfall, right? So if I'm looking for a teacher and instruction, you know, things along those lines, I mean, what's that pitfall may not be the right term to use, but if I'm, if I'm searching for someone, what, how am I picking out the right person? Yeah, tough. Uh, and you can do it through an interview. It's interesting in my book, um, uh, 10 Lessons, The True Fundamentals of the Golf Swing, I actually start out with that premise. Uh, I have 16 questions that should be asked of a professional. And if you can't answer them, I run for cover. <laughs> nice. but, but I would start out with, I would, to be honest with you, I would start out with ball flight. Why does the ball curve? Because the PGA teaching manual, which was written in 1960, had the ball flight laws wrong until 2019. Really? That's only 59 years. You know, in the PGA teaching manual, it stipulated that the path of the golf club created the start direction of the ball and that the face of the club created the curve. So if you went for a lesson and you were slicing your driver, the teacher would strengthen your grip get you to roll your forearm or roll over going through the ball to square the face up, indicating to you that your, your face was open, which if you're slicing, it is open. But what is it open to? It's open to a path. So if your path is six degrees to the left, we'll just do a little quiz. We'll see if you guys can answer this one. You mind a quiz? Can I quiz you guys? Well, oh, yeah, have at it. Cal, Cal's hero is Brooks Kepka, who once got 100% of true, false, wrong. So I think we'll be okay. <laughs> so I come into impact, and the face of my club at impact is square to the target. Uh, the path of my swing is 10 degrees to the left. So the question to you is, where is the ball going to start its flight, and where is it going to end up? And I'll, I'll repeat the question. The face of the club comes into impact, dead square to the target, can't look anything up, guys. No, no, I'm just dead square, no, to the, no. dead square to the target, and the path is 10 degrees to the left. So the question is, where is the ball going to start its flight, and where is it going to end up? Well, shit. All right, I'll go first. I think, I think you just described a cut shot, meaning it's going to start a little left, and then it's going to feed back to the right. I concur. Wrong. Hmm. Damn it. You were right with part of your answer and wrong with part of your answer. Okay. I'll tell you what you were right about. It's going to curve to the right because the face is open to the path, but it isn't going to start to the left. It's going to start straight. Oh. Okay, because the club face is square. 80% of the start direction of, of, of a golf ball is determined by the face. So you could flip it the other way and come in with the face square to the target and the path 10 degrees to the right. That ball would start straight and curve to the left. So the majority of tour players hit hit push draws and a push draws a ball that's starting to the right and curving to the left. In order for the ball to start to the right, the face of the club would have to be open to the target at impact. But the path of the club would have to be farther to the right than the face is open. So with irons, it's about a two to one ratio, a little bit different with the driver and a wedge, but um, we'll just use the two to run ratio. So if you were, it wouldn't matter if you were, if your path was 10 degrees to the right, in order to ball to end up at the target, assuming you hit it in the center of the face, the face would have to be five degrees close to the path or five degrees open to the target. And you could extrapolate that out to any number that you want to name. Right. You could go 30 degrees. The path is 30 degrees to the right. Then the face would need to be 15 degrees closed to the path and 15 degrees open to the target. And all that would produce would be a produce a bigger draw. Mm. You know, that's, that's how it works. Mm. Um, and that's what, Frederick uh, Truxton, 
when he came out with TrackMan. That's what TrackMan validated, although the the uh, father of this is basically was a, a physicist who wrote a book called The Physics of Golf. Uh, and in that book, uh, his name is Theodore Jorgensen, and in the book, which was written in 1992, interestingly enough, you know, he, he used a photon camera, which shoots at 200,000 frames per second, to uh, come up with what he called the D-plane, which explained what we just talked about. Hmm. So, you know, ball flight would be the first question that I would ask. And the next question that I might ask is, what's the most important fundamental in golf? And I'll ask you guys, what do you think it is? Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking because I, I feel like this is a, a little bit of a, a loaded or trick trick question. Uh, I, I think it's uh, I, I would say the most important fundamental. I, I, I mean, I would go with consistency if that's a fundamental. Uh, Not a fundamental. OK. I would uh, say um, uh, just contact with keeping your head on the ball. Contact what? Keeping your head, you know, keeping your eyes on the ball when you're striking the ball. What would a blind person do? I don't think he could. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, know. I, I, you know, I'm Charlie Boswell. I used to teach was blind. And the first question I didn't ask him was, Charlie, you took your eye off the ball. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So that was a pretty quick response on my part. What, a, what would a blind person do? Blind people play golf. Yeah. Charlie shot right. in the high seventies and, and, and up to, he would shoot somewhere between 77 and 90. Wow. Mm. Blind. <sighs> That's good. <laughs> Yeah, ball uh, stationary it, isn't moving. Yeah, I, I'm I'm th I'm trying to think of what I'm missing. What I'm saying, consistency. I uh, I don't know, form. Well, I think I think I think I think the average person would tell you that the biggest issue with his game is consistency, but that doesn't okay. make it fundamental. And I think yeah, if yeah, you sure. ask the PGA what the fun fundamentals are, mm -hmm. they would say gasp or gaps, grip, alignment, posture, and stance. And I'm going to say that's not true. I'm not saying the grip isn't important because it is. But if a grip is a fundamental, then everybody would have the same grip and they don't. Right. Well, maybe, maybe swing plane. Uh, but but you have different swing planes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Matthew Wolf's swing plane is, is different than. Tiger Woods, which is different than Lee Trevino. So yeah, but almost all those guys. And I'm not. I don't. Not not arguing with you. You're obviously the professional. But but everybody gets back to the same spot at the point in time that they're hitting the ball. Wouldn't you say? No. No. Okay. No. Trevino. Trevino would aim left and swing right. He would hit push push fades or push straights, but they were all pushes. Hmm. They weren't. So his swing path was considerably to the right of, the t of, of, of what we would call a normal target. Not the way he aimed. He would set his body left and aim the club here, and then he would swing there. But if you sure. said square and you had his swing path, you'd be hitting 40 yards to the right. Yeah. yeah. So the most important fundamental and the, and the commonality that you would find with every good player, and, and I can't even begin to tell you how important this is, it is the most important thing that I can say today. The most important thing is being able to control the low point of the club, being able to consistently hit the ground in the same place every single time. Mm. It has nothing to do with your grip or with your alignment or with your posture, or with your stance. And that's you talk about producing consistency. That's how you would produce more compression, more consistency, 
uh, in terms of your ball flight every time. So I would rate that as by far the most important thing is learning to control the low point. You know, uh, the average person is hitting the ground all over the place, or in many cases, isn't hitting the ground at all. <laughs> yeah. He didn't, spin, he didn't hit the ground or whatever. Right. Tour player is hitting the ground, and he's always hitting the ground on the target side of the ball. The average tour player is hitting the ground two to four inches after the ball's been struck. The second fundamental, I have three, and that was the idea behind actually both books, but the, the, um, uh, the big book, 10 Lessons, Two fundamentals of the golf swing are dealing with these three fundamentals. First one being controlling the low point. Second one, having enough power to play, being able to hit the ball far enough to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're hitting a driver 150 yards, get golf's going to be tough. And the third fundamental would be controlling the curve. Mm-hmm. Understanding, again, going back to those ball flight laws, why the ball would curve. And but 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 that and the distance both get affected tremendously by the low point. That's why it's by far the most important thing. I agree with that. So when I'm dealing with a lot of people that I play golf with, uh, and they're taking their first lesson from me, um, that lesson is probably going to be heavily centered on impact forward, not on the backswing. Because I don't care how good their backswing is, if their impact forward is bad, they can't hit the ball. And I'm trying to control that low point. So I'm doing things to make them achieve better impact. Make sense? Does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, I mean, it's, you know, you wrote a book about it, right? I mean, talking about that specific, uh, that fundamental. So is that, you're saying that that's a common occurrence, right? And and we've all played with them, right? I've done it myself plenty of times, you know, you you hit the big ball before the little ball and the, you know, bad results, et cetera. But is that the, is that the, is that a key fix that, that you see more regularly than not? Most important thing. Yeah. I mean, because when you play, you'll know when you play, you might hit a half an inch behind one, you might hit an inch behind one. If you go to the driving range and you hit off mats, you could hit three inches behind it and still hit it good, but that dog won't hunt when you get on grass. Sure. Um, you hit it thin, you, you, um, um, you don't compress it, you add loft and impact, meaning you're turning your seven iron into a pitching wedge, you're turning your five iron into a nine iron. Four players are subtracting loft and impact, so they're turning their, their nine iron into a seven iron and their seven iron into a five iron uh, because they're able to control. So the two factors that have the biggest impact on controlling the low point are where your weight is at impact and where the handle of the club is at impact. All golf clubs are built with the shaft or the handle forward to the face. And the average player is never there. Yeah. He's always right. kind of either lined up or he's got the handle actually behind the face. Yeah. Um, so that, that, and that's how you can create, that's how you create compression, you know, by being able to do that or come into impact with your weight forward. The average player at impact has 90 to 95% of his weight on his lead foot. Hmm. And the handle is full. I think Scotty Scheffler's got 98. Could be true. Could be true. <laughs> that back foot is just dangling all over the place, man. <laughs> true. But definitely all those guys out there, regardless of how they swing, uh, they all control the low point. They certainly all hit the ball far enough. There'd be some that would wish they could hit it further, but technically speaking, they wouldn't be out there if they couldn't hit the ball far enough. And they can, and they can control the curve. But of those three factors, when a tour player is off, which one of the three is he off on? Yeah, the curve. 
He doesn't have a problem controlling the low point. He doesn't have a problem with this. His problem is always going to be controlling the curve. The average person's problem is always going to be controlling the low point. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there is there a, well, which, is there a drill, drill correlation? Yeah. Is there a drill like a simple drill to that that, that the average person or the the hack like me would practice the, controlling the low point? Well, there are several. I mean, I think uh, I think uh, using an impact bag is good, where you learn to hit the bag with the shaft before you hit it with the club head. Okay. The handle forward. Okay. I think I think uh, setting more weight on the left foot. And just draw a line in the ground and learn to hit the ground in front of that line. I think that's without moving your upper torso forward. Okay. You're hitting your ground, uh, you're hitting the ground forward of that. A lot of it has to do with your right wrist being bent backwards. That's one of the reasons you can hit the ground forward. That's basically what we could call that lag. In the golfing machine's terms, it's called a right wrist flying wedge because the, it's moving this way through impact. That's how all great players are and all average players are doing this. So the worst golfers in the world by far are racquetball players. <laughs> they're, they're the worst because the wrist motion in racquetball is that way, and that's not the wrist motion in golf. Tennis players are lousy racquetball players, and racquetball players are lousy tennis ball players. Mm. Tennis players, a lot of times, are good because they don't move their wrist. You only do that in racquetball, but that's how the average person so, you know, there's a number of drills that you can use. A, um, you, can, you can grip onto a shaft, uh, say an alignment rod under your grip, where it sticks out in back, like, like 36, uh, you know, well, maybe, maybe a foot or two. And so when you set up, the alignment rod is sitting on your left side. So if you flip it or move your hands that way, you're gonna get a welt, because the alignment rod's gonna hit you in the side of your body forces you again to keep that handle forward. I had a, I gave a, a, a doctor that I teach, um, he got a, a, a pro-rotation stick which attaches on the end of the club to try to stop him from flipping. And the next day he went home and he practiced at the range and the next day he sent me a picture of, <clears throat> he lifted his shirt up and he was black and blue. Oh wow. Whacking him in his, in his left side because he's a flipper. His hands are yeah. moving in the opposite direction they should. Wow. Okay. Putting a towel six inches behind a golf ball and being able to hit the ball without hitting the towel. And you, you might, that may seem like it sounds easy to do. Give it a whirl. I think a lot of times you're going to find that almost everybody hits the towel first. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Jack O'Grady could put an alignment rod an inch behind the golf ball and hit the golf ball without hitting the alignment rod. Hmm. Be amazing. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting explanation you gave in reference to, and we've talked about this from time to time. And and uh, uh, so think about Jack and Tiger and and others that have that have taken gone from golf or or they've incorporated tennis back in you know into their maybe training or you know just hobby or release or whatever it was. So so that's an interesting analogy. And in that you know if you're swing you know, the forehand right where you're not breaking the wrist doing the thing and then the racquetball. Very interesting. Yeah. No, if you were hitting it, uh, a, a forehand with topspin, you would be hitting it this way, but that wrist would still be bent. You right. would never be bending the wrist forward like you would. But racquetball, that's what you do, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's going to create a lot of flipping, which is what most people do. That's why they can't control the. That's the biggest reason they can't control the low. They can't keep the handle forward of the face of the golf. And you do that through the, the right wrist and also this little index finger right here. 
Hogan was pretty adamant about that, that that little index finger, the, the fleshy part that's just below the palm at the top of the index finger on the back side of the shaft, it's called pressure point number three, but that applying pressure on the back of the shaft, because if you went this way with it, you'd have no pressure on the shaft, right? Sure. So if I'm, I'm holding on to a stick and I've got my grip and that knuckle, you'll see this knuckle. If you pay attention to tour players, you'll see that knuckle is pretty pronounced like mine is there. Can you see how it's separated yeah. from my oh, index? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's applying a pressure on the backside of that shaft. A lot of people are gripping it this way and they got their thumb longer than the finger and they're just flipping it this way. And there's no, there's no pressure being applied against the backside of that shaft which is how you would keep the handle forward. Interesting. Hmm. Very cool. You're getting, some, you're getting some good tips, guys. I, I was about to say, wait, where, you, want, you want the address to send the bill? Us <laughs> <laughs> to send. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll send, yeah, just send it to I'm happy to help. Uh, you know, there are so many people out there. It frustrates me sometimes, you know, to see the mess that everybody gets in. I mean, they're going, they're, 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 they're YouTubers and they're on, on, on Instagram and they're, you know, they try this, they try that, they try every single video that they've ever seen. And, oh, I got it. And, you know, that lasts for about one day or maybe five holes. <laughs> well, I was about to say, yeah, I don't know if it lasts the whole day. You know, and then the, the, the problem, with, the problem with, with me offering tips on Instagram or me offering um, a YouTube video or whatever, right, or even writing a book, the issue with that is that, uh, if you watch the Golf Channel and you've got Martin Hall on the Golf Channel or you used to have a Michael Breed or you've got a member that's giving a tip, uh, the problem with it is that he never saw any. He, if, if you're having a particular problem, he never saw you swing. Right. So he doesn't know what your particular issues are. <laughs> but the stuff I've talked about is pretty generic. Everybody could get better at improving the low point. That's, that's going to be applicable to all people regardless. And that's really the essence of both of the books I wrote. The writing of the two books was basically uh, to, to put everything that needed to be put in. It couldn't be a normal 300 page golf book. Right. Yet I thought that a 300 page golf book was too long. So I wrote, I wrote the, the uh, one book was 112 pages. And then the other book is 730 pages. And that book is used by, well, I, I, there are names I can't mention, but, but let's suffice it to say there are some, Pretty, pretty um, renowned teachers and players who, uh, you know, use that book. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and there's probably a starting point too, right? I mean, for me to sit down with the 703 page book, I'm probably going to get pretty lost in yeah. some of the, that, so, so as you mentioned, right, there are simple drills that I could probably take and apply and, and improve, but then, you know, that's kind of, that's very macro. Once we get micro and I, you know, I need to start kind of, we're, we're in the fine tuning phase. I mean, how to, you know, that, that's where, you probably need a little better. I would need a little better application because even though I might read it and digest it, if I'm, if I'm already got a, you know, a, a hitch or, or something in there, that's not producing what I needed to produce. I don't know if I even know you, you talked about feel earlier. I don't, I don't even know what that feels like to be able to, to repeat it. So the point there would be the vast majority of people would be better off with 10 keys because it's a short, simple book that deals with probably what's going to make them better the quickest. Mm -hmm. It's going to be more for tour players, teachers, or techies. Yeah. 
So, I mean, even though I charge a lot more for that one, it's not one that I would recommend that people run out and buy. Uh, although I would recommend the 10 keys book. I think it's, I think it's great. And I think it, and I think it's, it's short and sweet and covers what I feel to be important, but it still deals with those three fundamentals that we talked about. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you decide? I mean, did you, did you know at some point in time you were going to write a book and, and you were going to kind of provide this or like what, what kind of sparked that along your, your journey to say that this is how I need to deliver this. The, you know, I, I, I wrote an early book, um, two early books actually, um, that I never pushed or anything like that. They were really for my clients. And I just, I just, I, I wasn't convinced. I was probably in the same area that a lot of golf pros are in today uh, who don't know what they don't know. And that's sure. Statement. They don't know what they don't know. And I think uh, when it came time to write the books, I was pretty certain that the information that I was putting out and providing was the right stuff. Does that mean that through time there may, there may be a drill or there may be a, um, a feel of some sort that could be added to what I've put out? Sure. But up to this point, um, I don't think, and I don't mean this egotistically, I just don't think that there's another, there are any other books out there that would benefit people as much as, as, as like 10 keys would. I mean, and I have a library of 1200 of them, so I know right. written out there um, through the years. And I think, you know, there's a lot of good things in books, but, you know, I tried to narrow it down to, uh, again, it goes back to those three fundamentals. If you can, you can do the, learn to do those three things. You're going to get a significantly better at this game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk South Florida for a second. Uh, you've been down there for quite some time now. No, uh, I actually was, um, went to college here, as I said, and then played and lived in a number of places, but uh, spent a lot of years in California. And in 2015, I, I moved down here only to move back to California in 2017, only because I took a position as a director of instruction at a very exclusive club in the desert. Um, and in um, 2019, uh, that, that uh, uh, season, our 2019 season when the desert's similar to Florida where peak season is going to run November through the end of April. Um, we had a hundred year flood and two of our holes uh, are in a floodplain and our driving range was in a floodplain. Oh, wow. So they had to stick a net up. I mean, the club's a, a very exclusive club. It has uh, 220 members, 200 uh, millionaires and 20 billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, first course that Nicholas designed in the desert. Oh, wow. Um, great club. It's called the club at Morningside. Um, I mean, uh, Ken Venturi was, was there prior to me at one point before he passed sure. away. Uh, even, even Claude Harmon, uh, spent, uh, spent some time there. Uh, so it, it has some pedigree in terms of, of people that have been there.
this is Brett Barr with Sagmore Spirit, and you're listening to Birdies and Bourbon. Fork! Yeah, well, even off a cart path, you'd still have to have the leading edge of the club or the handle leading, especially off a cart path. Yeah. Yeah. I used to practice off off a quarter-inch plywood. Okay. Wow. Oof. You got to hit it flush every time when you do that. Mm-hmm. Every time. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, if not. The pitfall, the, the pitfall of mats is the, you know, like I said, you could hit three inches behind it and still, still hit it good. Well, you, you, there's a lot of forgiveness there that kind of kind of hides uh, what the true result is, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so let's. Uh, what in your any what's what's memorable? And I'm sure you got a ton of. Them. We can't keep you forever, but you know, in in your in your playing days, is there is there anything that kind of like it sticks out and it's like, oh hell, I got to tell that story, or or any any interesting pairings that that you had that were, uh, ooh, I, I'm never going to tell that story again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, a couple. I think I think the ones that would probably stick in my mind in the years that I worked with. Toski, in the end time of that, he was uh, he was doing television commentary for Hughes Sports Network, and that was an era where Hughes Sports Network was actually televising a, a, televising a number of tour events. They weren't all NBC or ABC or CBS. Right. And um, he was. We were at the Western Open, and on Tuesday, when the practice round, he said, uh, "Meet me at one o'clock on the first tee." I have a surprise for you. Hmm. So I got to the first tee at one o'clock and standing next to Mr. Toski was Mr. Nicholas. So that was my surprise. Wow. So I played the front nine with, with Jack and Bob. And then um, it was mentioned to me that um, there would be a surprise on the 10th tee. <laughs> the 10th tee we were joined by Mr. Palmer. So, oh, uh, oh my gosh! So I played uh, played with uh, Jack and Arnie the back nine, and with with uh, Jack the front nine. Wow! And then in in terms of my 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 play, one of the in, in terms of memorable experiences is spending a lot of time and playing a lot with the great Mo Norman. Um, not a lot of people know who Mo is. I think people in golf probably have a pretty good idea, but certainly one of the top five top ball strikers in the history of the game. Uh, you know, definitely a character. Set the club a foot behind the ball. Mo, why do you do that? Every great instructor says you got to take it back low and slow the first foot. You can't get any, any can't get any lower and slower than that. Um, <laughs> just one quick memorable uh, Mo story. Uh, Mo was uh, uh, was autistic. Uh, many times would repeat things three times. So he's hitting drivers and he's hit 50 drivers in a row, which wasn't uncommon. I'll, I'll add a third story in a minute. Okay. Uh, and he, um, the, the golf pro watching him noticed that the tee that he was hitting off of hadn't moved. Oh, wow. So the tee's sitting there and he's putting the ball on the tee, hitting the driver, putting the ball on the tee, hitting the driver. He's done this fifth time. The tee hasn't moved. It hasn't flown in the air or done anything. So the guy says to him, Mo, you realize you just hit 50 drivers and you never hit, you never moved the tee. And Mo looked at him inquisitively and said, well, I don't hit tees. I hit golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> nice. Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So um, years later, 
Mo is older at this point, and I'm at the PGA show, and I'm walking down the aisle. It's it's on the first day of the show, and I see Mo, and he looks a little haggard, and you know, I, you know, how are you, Mo? Da 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 da. He said, I'm a little beat up. Uh, he said, you know, I hit a few balls yesterday. And I said, oh, really, what'd you do? He said, well, I was at that the demo day. He said, and they were having me hit drivers and they were paying me a dollar a ball <laughs> to hit drivers. I said, well, geez. I said, how many did you hit? And he says, 1,211. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Back to that T story. What was funny about that was the the guy asked him if he'd ever hit a tee, and Mo said eight years ago. And the guy said, what happened? And he said, Mo said the ball went out of bounds. And he said, well, how many you hit out of bounds? He said, oh, I haven't hit it out of bounds since then. That's the only one. And, and, he, and he said, you've never hit it out of bounds in eight years? And he said, no. He said, I haven't even missed a fairway in eight years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> People are going to be listening to this, and you just planted seeds in people's heads. Uh, that are going to be trying to miss the tee from now on. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think I think uh, Mo is one of the few. I mean, I have millions of Mo stories, but I think I mean, just just an incredible um, talent and, and ball striker. Uh, worked hard and uh, was not real comfortable being in front of people. That's one of the reasons you never really saw him on the American tour. Hmm. You know, just didn't do well in front of in front of galleries. In fact, in one Canadian event that he played in, a guy looked in his bag to see what he what he hit, and as the guy walked away, Mo took took the iron out and started goosing the guy, and he said, "You wouldn't do that, Colonel Palmer. You wouldn't do that, Colonel Palmer." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. Oh man, that is too good. Uh, Bob, it's been a pleasure. Um, we, you know, I'm sure you got stuff you need to get to tonight. Where can people find you? Where can they find your book at? Uh, if somebody wants a lesson, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, the best, the best means would be to go to my website. Uh, it's just my uh, name, Bob Grissett, G-R-I-S-S-E-T-T at uh, golf.com, bobgrissettgolf.com. Both books are on there. Um, I do online lessons, which I... Um, I have a huge amount of people that I do that with worldwide. Cool. Uh, and it's worked out. It's worked out really, really well. Cause I do it a little bit differently. I mean, typically when people do online lessons, they, you know, they send you back a video and they talk for 10 minutes. Uh, I don't do that. I actually do live, not a live lesson, but I do a live interview on WhatsApp. And then we kind of go over what I, what I sit, what I saw. And then I send them, you know, uh, drills and, and ask them to send me back videos them performing the drill to make sure they're doing it correctly uh so it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good situation and then if they if they want to book a lesson with me that's all available again online or they can call me at the number that's on online and you know we'll try to squeeze them in if we can that's awesome very good you guys yeah. have been great so thank awesome, you so sir. much no no thank you so much for your time we appreciate it and we appreciate the tips we may drop you a, a note here in a week or two and let you know if uh you know how we uh how how are they how they were received on course so absolutely oh that'd be great always interested in that yeah yeah maybe we'll get you a video or two uh you know of, of us trying to apply some of those so <laughs> That might be scary, though. <laughs> you know, do I have to? Do I have to wear uh, three pairs of sunglasses on that deal? Yes. Well, it, it all depends on what time of day you get that video. 
<laughs> yeah, well, and then I, you know, but the, the, the truth would probably be that my response to it would be, Cal, you're standing too close to it after you hit it. <laughs> exactly. Good point. It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> Absolutely, Bob. Well, hey, Bob, we appreciate uh, so much. Uh, you know, maybe for a tournament or something coming up, we can jump on and maybe break down some, uh, maybe break down a course or some of the players. Not break them down. We just kind of talk about, you know, what, what's going on with some folks. Uh, we look forward to that. Anytime. Happy to happy to be on the show. It was enjoyable. And uh, anytime. Awesome. Awesome, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks again. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye.